0: Going on, Jermaine Johnson. Tune in to Turn on the Jets Podcast.
1: Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune into the Turn on the Jets podcast. welcome back to the turn the jets podcast i'm your host will parkinson at will pa 11 on twitter instagram and tiktok it is nfl draft weekend it's nfl draft day today the first round taking place tonight aaron Rodgers is officially a jet he was unveiled yesterday in front of uh in front of my next guest rich samini rich how are we doing at vspn and hey, rich how are we doing today
0: all right great uh, thanks for having me will appreciate yeah. it
1: yeah it's uh look it's an exciting time i think normally this time of year we are so entrenched in the draft stuff there's are the Jets going to be able to draft 11 players that can all start day one? And hopefully they make a little bit of a run towards a a wild card round. Now it's, you know, we're going to the draft, which we'll talk about a little bit of, can they get one or two, maybe three guys that can contribute on a playoff team? Very different conversation. Something I know you you've covered the Jets for a long time. You've seen, you know, the drafts where this happens. It has not happened in a while. But more importantly, obviously, yesterday Aaron Rodgers gets unveiled. He's officially a Jet. He's officially number eight. He's got all the Jets swag and gear, and he's got the 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 uh, handshake of the Robert Solid around the world. Yeah. So, um, I guess what were your initial impressions? Because I think everyone was seemed to be pretty impressed, uh, you know, with Rodgers yesterday.
0: I thought Rodgers put on a uh, clinic on how to conduct the introductory press conference a- in a new city. I mean. Look, he's a smart guy. You know, he's he's very articulate, and I thought he hit all the right notes uh, in my story on ESPN.com. I wrote that he showed excellent touch without throwing a pass, and he invokes the name of Joe Namath right away. You you know, you went over Joe Namath, and you went over that segment of the fan base, the older fans. Talked about the the lonely Super Bowl trophy in the lobby. Uh, right away that gets fans fired up he says he's going to go to the offseason program so that gets the teammates fired up and the coaches and so he just you know it was like textbook uh, i don't know if he scripted it ahead of time or what it, whatever he did or whatever helped him he nailed it and uh i think it's
1: just what the jets need yeah look i think he had a couple of things you mentioned there was a lot of there was a lot of talk over what number he'd wear and i know you know, some people would say, oh, it's not a big deal. It does. There's not a lot of guys in this franchise's history that mean, that like represent the Jets. And we saw a couple guys this year, you know, kind of go in their ring of honor and man gold, the Brickshaw Ferguson and Revis, like those guys scream Jets too. Joe. Joe Namath is obviously Mr. Jet. He's at we know, and he called him Joe Willie and he talked about the Super Bowl three, you know, VHS tapes, whether I believe that or not. Um, And just the, the whole thing was interesting. I thought Something that you mentioned, the offseason workouts, I know you mentioned it, we kind of just talked a little bit off camera. I thought maybe he'd be there for like mandatory stuff, but the fact that he's yeah. going to be there already is a huge sign. He isn't, I don't know the last time Rogers has been to, to the facility before camp, it has to be at least a half a decade.
0: Yeah, he's, you know, even said that he'd be out there, uh, you know, uh, on Thursday, you know, today, work, you know, work now they're not really practicing now it's phase one so uh, you know they throw the ball around I don't even know if the receivers are allowed to run routes, certainly they're not running routes on any on a, a defenders, but, uh, but the fact that he's there I think is. I said in the beginning that this guy's got to show up, you know, to at least some of them, you know, just to to. it's and you want to start out on the right foot. You want to build some chemistry with your teammates. And he's doing that. And so that to me is a really, really good sign. Um, I, I'm old school. I believe the offseason, even though it's voluntary, I do think it matters. You know, I, I side with the coaches on that. You know, I know. Some guys don't do it. And, you know, people in the media are reluctant to criticize them because it's, you know, quote unquote voluntary, but I they do it for a reason. I go back to the Parcells days. He made guys do it. Vinny Testaverde used to take a private jet up, you know, twice a week, you know, from his Florida home just so he could participate. And so I'm from that school. And I think that he's there and doing it. Rogers, I mean, is uh, is big for the Jets.
1: And it's something that there the Jets can't afford to get off to a slow start, right? Obviously, you don't want to be climbing yourself out of a hole, and he's not going to play in any of the preseason games. Training camp's not what he used to be, so him being there, building some chemistry, yes, he has chemistry with, you know, Lazard and these guys, but building some chemistry of just, he's in a new city, he's in a new, you know, he's in a different market. All these different things matter, and him being around um and not just kind of being in the malibu home with with no right. with no cell service apparently yeah uh, that, was, that created quite a stir in green yeah, bay I yeah, they, i'm too. not sure they were happy about that or the fact that he's taking a presum- presumptive pay cut Um we'll get to that in a moment but the one thing i want to ask you about is obviously you know he mentioned nate hackett and, and we all know that but were you i don't know if i would say surprised but kind of taken back by how many times he mentioned the respect he has for Robert solid. It felt like Robert solid did play a big role. I know everyone talks about Hackett and Woody, but it felt like solid was kind of like that. There was a couple of guys and he was like the last final poll of like, I want to go play for a coach that um, he called him an alpha male, I think on, uh, on the Michael yeah. show.
0: Yeah. I don't think he knows solid that well. I think it's one of those deals where, you feel like you know someone through another person. And so obviously we all know Sala and Matt LaFleur are extraordinarily close. They're like brothers. And 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 Rogers genuinely likes Matt LaFleur. I mean, they have a good relationship. I, I don't think Rogers likes the front office there uh, with Brian Gutekunst. I think that's pretty obvious. But he does like Matt LaFleur. And I just, you know, Matt was talking about Robert the last couple of years to, to Rogers, So I think it's one of those transitive property things you know you know one two and three and you know he's he's learning about three through number two so uh yeah so i think he, i think he likes aaron likes communication he likes to be communicated with and i think the thing that bothered him was that the packers didn't communicate at all times with him sala's a communicator you know he's he's a texter he's a communicator. Uh, so I don't think there'll be long lapses
1: in communication. So I think they'll get along all right. Yeah, it's, uh, it was funny. The other side, note, nothing that really had to do with yesterday, but on Monday, there was Randall Cobb and Mercedes Lewis magically started working out again. So I'm sure that'll get announced uh, so- sooner rather Randall, than Cobb, like... <laughs> or Randall,
0: Randall Cobb for sure, I think, could wind up with the Jets.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure many more tight ends the Jets are uh, going to pay. But um, I want to kind of transition a little bit to... One thing about Quinn and Williams quickly and then kind of just talk about the Rogers contract situation, because I think they do go hand in hand a little bit. Um, the Jets defensive line specifically and those defensive players have not really made it quite a secret. I mean, John Franklin Myers tweeted it out last night. He restructured his deal and it was literally hashtag extend Q. Quincy put out, you know, his stuff, which is his brother. I get it. But yeah. I, I know I was kind of under the impression the last time we talked about this, I think back in, I guess that was February or whatever it was, it felt like. Th- you know, once the quarterback got situated, went in wood. Um, now we've seen a couple guys get paid. I kind of feel like it's time now, right? Like, let's let's get this done.
0: Yeah, well, Rogers. I mean, uh, the story we wrote uh, was posted. I mean, he's only counting a million dollars on the cap this year. He restructured his deal. Wild. Uh, yeah, so it's like uh, he's counting less on the cap than like, uh, you know, their fourth string wide receiver now or something like that. So Temp- it's like a placeholder contract. So we thought he was going to be counting 15.8 on the cap, you know, with the existing contract, you know, they did some bookkeeping. And so he's only counting like 1.1, whatever the minimum salary is. Of course, next year is like over hundred million. They're going to have to figure that out and they will before training camp. But um, yeah, so with Quinnen, I actually thought there was some movement a couple of weeks ago, Right before the start of the offseason program, which I guess was maybe what, seven or ten days ago, something like that, there seemed to be a, some little progress and uh but they're not there yet. I mean, and I don't know when they're gonna get there. Um I've heard from I've heard conflicting reports. You know, someone told me I, I talked to a bunch of agents uh, about it and they they don't think Woody Johnson wants to pay twenty-three and a half million dollars a year for a defensive tackle. Uh, So this is going to be an interesting negotiation. I never thought this was going to be easy uh, because when it comes to the negotiations with the jets, other than at this Aaron Rodgers, it's never easy with the jets. You know, (laughs) they seem to make it complicated. Quentin has, he certainly deserves to be in that stratosphere of salary based on what he's done over the last couple of years. But you know, I, it's not, nothing's imminent here. And this, this is going to be a long haul. We're not going to see him until, until mid June. And I even heard that it's not even a lock that he shows up for the mandatory mini camp. So I'd be surprised if something gets done before training camp, I think it could go right up to the season and, uh, it's going to be a very, very interesting. It's a lot of money. I mean, the market has gone up. The Jets probably should have been proactive and tried to get something done before it's, but now it keeps on topping. I heard Dexter Lawrence is pretty far along in his negotiations. We'll see what he gets. Uh, so right now the number is 23 and a half. That's what Jeffrey Simmons got. I think Quinton should come in right around there, but the Jets are are
1: slow playing this. Yeah. It's it's one of those situations. It kind of felt like a given Three or four weeks ago, and I'm not panicking in any way, shape, or form because I think you know. You, you assume he gets taken care of. I think Quinn approached it. Nicole Lynn had him hit all of the right, uh, all the right buttons with the, um, you know, the uh, oh before. I'm not going to report mini camp. I'd love to be a Jet, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, but hey, look, I, you know, it's not done yet. And like you said, I, I thought they probably could have paid him before some of these other guys got paid. You lo- you love to be the one setting the market. And then having these other teams have to overpay, you know, I may they may have missed the ball a little bit on that. The other thing I wanted to ask you quickly: I know JFM restructured. Do you think there's anything else that's going to be done there? We've seen a lot of guys: DJ Reed, Tyler Conklin, amongst others, like Tomlinson. Do they have to restructure Mosley again? You think, or is it kind of yeah? Hoping they I think can get they're reluctant. Here? I think they're reluctant to do Mosley
0: again because uh, I mean, you know, these these come at a cost. These restructurings, you know, it's. Um, you know, it's a credit card approach, you know, you you don't have to pay it today, but you're gonna have to pay it eventually, you know, they're they're gonna come calling the creditors. And so they pushed a lot of money last year into the back end of CJ's contract. And so when they release him at some point, uh, whether it's after this season or the year after, you know, there's gonna be a sizable cap hit. So if you do it again, it's just the snowball effect of more money uh, responsible down the road. So I don't think they wanna go there. Like I said, Rodgers, you know, gave them a, a, a kind of a cap break by taking the restructure. So that saved them about more than $14 million. So otherwise they would have had to to probably cut some guys. So I don't think they have to do anything right now. They have enough to sign. I think they, I checked the NFLPA website this morning. They were like 7 million under the cap. So that's certainly enough to sign all their draft picks. Um, you know, it's, and to, if they want to sign more, play. I mean, Connor McGovern got uh crushed in the negotiations. Yeah, I my mean, God. One, one, $1. $1.9 million, which tells me that, you know, center is still a viable option for the Jets in the draft. I mean, certainly, you know, if they drafted someone in the second round and he was really good, they could put Connor McGovern on the bench. I mean, that's uh, you know, something, something there to consider. But yeah, I don't think they're gonna have to now could they cut Corey Davis? Yeah, they could do that. I think that would be a possibility if they drafted a receiver in the second round. Um, They would possibly move on from Corey Davis. And right now, but no, I don't think they have to do any restructurings. Could they come to Corey Davis uh, like they did Jameis and Crowder a couple of years ago and say, look, we want to cut your salary in half? At some point, yeah, they could do that to Corey Davis.
1: Yeah, I was going to say it kind of leads me to Carl Lawson. Carl Lawson, too, yeah. Yeah. Um, like an extend, but also cut, you know, cut his number and at least a third. Um I guess let's move to the draft here before we wrap. The drafts obviously tonight, the first round, the Jets have you know moved back from 13 to 15. It's felt like for kind of though, as much as last year, it felt like they were gonna go tackle for a long time as, and obviously they end up going with sauce. And, you know, at the end it kind of felt like they're just this momentum towards cornerback, even though it felt like for a while it was gonna be Ike Aquanu or something like that. Yeah. All people have talked about is tackle at 13 for the last four months. It's all at the senior bowl, the combine, the owners' meetings, you, and me, whoever's been around. It's like that's yeah. all we talk about is tackle. That said, now that they're back at 15, those guys could be gone. And does it bring in a Jackson Smith and Jigbo or Elijah Canty or one of these guys that's a, you know, they still kind of do have a little bit of a needed receiver because, um, you know, they've traded Elijah Moore and we'll, we'll see what happens. And then defensive tackle. Other than Quentin Williams, who is still unsigned, there's not a lot there. Would you be still surprised if they didn't go tackle tonight? Because it it does feel like, I don't know. I, we'll see. I don't know what's going to happen here. It's like this draft is very unpredictable with these quarterbacks and these cornerbacks as well. Well, I think the
0: Jets like three offensive linemen in this draft. Um, I think, you know, I don't think – I think Paris Johnson is going to be gone. You know, uh, could go, you know, as high – you know, could go nine, could go ten. Um if he were there, I think the Jets would take Paris Johnson. Uh, I feel pretty confident the same applies to Broderick Jones. I don't think they like him as much as Paris Johnson. He's a little more inexperienced, but I think the Jets would take pa- uh, Broderick Jones at 15. I think they would take Peter Skoronsky at 15. Now, he, a lot of people feel he's going to be a better guard than tackle. He essentially is Elijah Vera Tucker uh, 2.0. I mean, they have the exact same height and weight, and they're Their arm length is the same. Everything's kind of the same. AVT played left tackle at USC his last year. They moved him to guard. So I still think he's such a good offensive lineman that I think Joe Douglas would take him. So if one of those three were there, I think Joe Douglas would take him at 15. If all three are gone, uh, I do not believe they would take Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. I I don't think he's a consideration at 15. Um, I think... I've, I don't think they would take a defensive tackle. Uh, the kid from Pitt is very interesting. I think he's kind of a scheme fit for the Jets because he's so quick. He, you know, such a one-gap penetrator. But I don't think he'd be there. I, I think it's been a long time since this happened with the Jets that we saw like a true curveball surprise pick on on draft day. I think we, if those three tackles are gone, I think uh, you're going to see a curveball. So uh what
1: what where are you we thinking position curveball or are you thinking just like you are you a, not few, a quarterback, think... not a quarterback or anything like that, but Will Levis?
0: <laughs> I, I no. I think they could go uh, to two areas that we perceive as strengths for them. I think either tight end or edge rusher. So just keep an eye on those two spots if um if the tackles are gone. So Joe Douglas is the best player available guy. And, yeah, they have a need at defensive tackle, but 15 is is high for uh, the pit kid. The, it's not a great receiver class. You know, yeah, they could use another receiver. I just, you know, Smith and Jigba, he's not the fastest guy in the world. I know his, his short area quickness is outstanding, but in terms of long speed, he doesn't have great – he's like a 4.52 in a 40 – He's had some serious hamstring injuries. I don't think the Jets would want to take that kind of player with the 15th pick. So, second round, sure. Maybe Josh Downs from North Carolina in the second round. They're very high on him. I could see that happening. But I don't think they're going to go receiver in the first round.
1: Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I, I did like the I had been getting Jason in a, in a final mock today just because I think it could be one of those curveballs of like the the board could break in a way for the Jets that could be very beneficial. You mentioned Skoransi, Jones, and Johnson. Look, it'd be great if either of those three guys are there. The Jets would say, wow, we got Rodgers and we still got the tackle we wanted. Um, that'd be fantastic. I am curious what's going to happen with this tight end. They've had a ton of tight ends in for visits. Yeah. It's just weird, though, because they're paying. They just restructured both tight ends like – Realistically, they'll probably extend one of Conklin or Uzama, and then they already drafted Rucker. It's like, it just feels like kind of excess, but this is a great tight end class. And then you mentioned edge rusher. You know, there is a world in which Brysoff could walk theoretically if they don't extend him, although I, I think they will end up extending him. And Carl Lawson could walk next year, and JFM's contract is every year can kind of be from now on can be redone. So I agree with you that there might be a curveball tonight. I don't see them going corner. I saw some people, I just, that to me is like the one position that other than no. quarterback they will not draft.
0: No, I don't think they're going to go corner. I don't think they'll go safety. Um, Yeah, so it's the tight end thing is curious. I mean, obviously, Uzama and Conklin will be on the team. And I think Ruckert will be on the team. Uh, Ruckert disappointed last year, though. You know, he just didn't really show much. I mean, he couldn't even get active on game day you know, so, or contribute on special teams. To me, it's alarming when you have a tight end who can't contribute on special teams. I mean, that's what they're supposed to do. So, uh yeah, it is a really strong tight end class. You know, uh, Kincaid from Utah, uh, the kid from Notre Dame, Mayor is really good. Like, you know, I would watch him. Uh, So, it's a really, really good tight end class, and uh, they don't have a you remember Nathaniel Hackett is, the, you know, he's got a lot of influence in what's going on on offense, and you know, the Mike LaFleur saw things differently than Hackett, and Hackett might look at this tight end group and say, "I need someone who could who can press a seam down this down the field vertically, you know, just to make this offense go." And I don't think the Jets have that guy on the roster. Ruck, that's not ruckers deal. That's why no. I thought the record pick was was kind of weird last year. I mean, Conklin. Not really. I mean, he's a good underneath receiver. I think he averaged nine yards a catch. I I don't think he's going to stretch the field. Kincaid can stretch the field. The the Notre Dame kid, Mayer, is not as fast as Kincaid, but he's a good all-around tight end. I I thought he was really good when I watched the Notre Dame games last year. Um, So, yeah, so I I just think there might be a curveball or they might just end up picking up one of those tackles, which I think would make Rodgers very happy. Uh, I don't think they're as high on Darnell Wright, the Tennessee guy, uh, as some teams are. Uh, there's some questions about his work ethic, and you know he was basically an underachiever for three years, so uh, before he really improved his stock last year. But uh, so I don't really think he'd be a factor at 15. But I think in the perfect world, the Jets would be happy with one of those top three tackles.
1: Yeah, the Darnell Wright thing felt like felt like a lot of people just watched the Alabama game and were like, "Oh, he did yeah. really good against Will Anderson," but like. You should watch the other eleven games as well, uh, and this pre- in the previous years. Uh, the mayor, th- the mayor thing is interesting, and you mentioned the tight ends. The other guy is Darnell, watching it from Georgia, who is yeah. a behemoth of a human being. We know the Jets love yeah. these guys who are like elite level athletes. I don't know where he's going to get picked. You see him in the first round in some mock drafts. You see him in the second round. I don't know what's going to happen with him, but as much as you could like the Jets tight end room, if they added a six foot seven, two hundred eighty pound guy running a four or five, I think we, I think <laughs> everyone would be like, yeah, you know what? Why not? Yeah. I don't know. if What do you think? Do you
0: think if the Jets picked a tight end at 15, how do you think the Jet I think people would convince. Them,
1: I think people would convince themselves, oh, it's, you know, a weapon for Rodgers, but I also think you'd have to look at it from a roster-building perspective of, like, you do have all these other holes, and while that guy might be best player available, you'd have to be, like, I just feel like you shouldn't have restructured your Zama and Conklin if, and if you were going to draft a tight end. It's just, like, my thing of you feel like you'd yeah. be paying – because a tight end in the first round, that guy's still making – Probably what four, five, six million dollars yeah. this year. So it's like you're paying you the most expensive tight end room I've ever seen, and it's like or any of those guys, Travis Kelsey, like probably not. So I don't no, know. It would be a little, just... be a little weird. One thing we when we were talking to Rogers yesterday, off in the side afterwards, he was going through the
0: personnel on offense, and he and he had glowing things to say about every position. And then Except we got yeah, op- no, well, no, even tight end he did, but when he got to the offensive line, he <laughs> didn't he didn't even name anyone. He's just he goes well. I don't know too much about the line. You know, they got some guys who have a chance to do some special things. And uh, it, it was almost like, uh, you know, he's really kind of glossing that over, which (laughs) he probably wants to be better on the offensive line. But I I think if they brought in a guy like uh, Skaronsky or or Broderick Jones, um, they could have tons of flexibility. Uh, I think they want to start Dwayne Brown. I, I, I think Becton, I'd be surprised if he's a starter. I think he's probably gonna be a backup this year. I just don't think this coaching staff is is all in on Beckton. Now maybe he changes his mind. You know, maybe Becton comes in and has a really great training camp. He looks great. But uh so yeah, I think they could uh shake up the offensive line a little bit for sure.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting. Two things I think Connor Rogers made this point of it'll be interesting how they both evaluate Dwayne Brown and also what they think of where AVT is going to slot in. I think obviously ideally he's a guard for them, but if they love how he played tackle, maybe you go with Skoronsky because you can kind of just Swiss Army knife either guy. Or do you draft a true tackle or kind of what do you do there? Um, Obviously rounds two through five is going to be very, it's going to be a crap shoot. I don't see the Jets similar to 2010 packaging. At one point, I thought maybe they'd package a a day three pick for, you know, a Hopkins or one of these guys. But it it seems like I I heard the Bills have offered quite a bit for Hopkins, which we'll see what happens there would make the the AFC East even more more difficult. Um, Want to ask you one last thing about obviously, and I'm sure you've been asked this 800 times already, but the expectations, Rogers talked about it, obviously, the expectations to win a Super Bowl. It's pretty clear to me he's going to be here more than one year. I mean, based on that contract, based on everything he's kind of said, feels like He's never going to commit to anything because that's who he is. He's going to always, you know, he yeah. wants he wants a little bit more from you. But um, I don't think they would have given up. You know, that the conditions they put on that pick for 2024 felt like the Jets were like, we're good with him being here for two years. Is it fair to say like, what is the realistic expectation? Because I, well, Super Bowl or bust is a good catchy headline. It's very difficult to ask a team in year one to go in a Super Bowl, especially in this conference. I feel like personally, the expectation is can you try to win the AFCs. Like I know the Bills are awesome, I know Miami's really good. That's the first thing. If you can host a playoff game, you know, I was I was in the single digits in years old when when the Jets last hosted the playoff game. I think if they could do that, you'd probably consider it a pretty successful season similar to 98. Oh uh, yeah.
0: Uh you're right. We we fall into the Super Bowl or bust uh, category. You know, we love that, you know, cuz it's a good splashy headline, but uh you know, yeah, I mean, certainly anything short of the playoffs would be a disappointment for sure. Uh, a home playoff game would be a nice uh, feather in the cap for this organization. It's not going to be easy. I mean, just the guy who was in one place for 18 years to go switch is is hard. It's not easy. I mean, it, it almost didn't happen for Tom Brady in Tampa. You know, they ended up winning a, a title. But te- people forget at midseason, they were kind of like on the they were teetering on the brink you know, they lost a couple of bad games and it was Brady and Leftwich during the bye week going into a room and just like redoing their offense, making it more, less Bruce Arians and more Tom Brady. I was going to say, Tom's saying, this is
1: my team. Get out of the way, please.
0: and basically running it through Brady and they had to make that switch for it to happen and this is the greatest football player that we've ever seen was struggling at one point and so it's not going to be smooth. The, The one advantage that that Rogers has is that he and Hackett have a pre, you know, a, a pre-existing relationship, which is certainly going to make that process easier, and that's a big, big advantage for the Jets. But there's no guarantee. And you, you mentioned the division; the conference is a lot harder than what Brady had to deal with. Um, the, the AFC is stacked, but you know, I think if you'd like to see the Jets get into mid to late January, you know, win a playoff game, get a home playoff game, win it, advance to the next round and and take your chances there but uh look woody johnson is not doing this for you know just to sneak in as a wild card and and then go adios after one round that's for sure you know this is this is a major investment 12 years with with no playoffs he's tired of it he wants some relevancy Uh, i think he's just soaking up all this rogers stuff we know woody likes the big name quarterbacks and uh if he end, he'll end up paying Rogers probably over a hundred million dollars for two years. And, you know, that's substantial. And he wants, and he wants results from it. And so, uh, yeah, but I, I think the jets are a legit playoff team and uh, anything beyond that. It's going to be hard. Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Lamar will probably be back in Baltimore and Miami's better.
1: Really, really tough conference. Yeah, it'll be it was I think that was honestly probably the funniest part of yesterday before we wrap here. <laughs> Woody walks off the stage, Rogers goes, You're not gonna shake my hand, and Woody runs over like a little kid. I was like, Man, this guy has uh <laughs> some effect on people. It was pretty it was pretty exciting. But yeah, no, I agree with you. The the advantages when once the schedule comes out, obviously it'll be a little different. The Jets have two big advantages. Ten of the 17 games they'll be playing in their home stadium, and they only make two trips. Um out west quote-unquote and you know although denver's been a place of horrors denver and vegas are not the same as going out you know the seattles and and uh in la's of the world so they have a lot of they don't have to go to kansas city in those places you'd hope or go to philly or go you know some of these places they might get a break on the schedule we'll see obviously somehow they won't but but they're gonna have a lot of night games too
0: which is a different uh something new for them. So I'll have to acclimate to that.
1: I know how much you, you guys love, uh, love <laughs> night games. <laughs> Sports writers love Sunday at one. That's yeah. uh
0: that is the best uh, of, of all possible worlds.
1: Yes. Well, Sunday at one or four 25 is tolerable. The Monday yeah. at eight o'clock is uh, it's tough on your Tuesday sleep schedule, but Rich, okay. obviously appreciate, uh, appreciate the time. Everyone enjoyed the draft tonight. I'll have, a, I'll be do a 15, 20 minute recap after uh, after each round here throughout the weekend make sure you guys read rich's piece up on espn and uh yeah enjoy aaron Rodgers being a jet and um the jets being relevant for the first time in quite a while
0: yeah i always appreciate it uh i always follow you on twitter and everything will i you your tremendous knowledge on this team and i always appreciate it thanks so much rich